Hebrews chapter 11. We're starting off in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, meaning God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the skies and the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I want to please the Lord with my life. And in in verse 6 again, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'm just so thankful for this chapter. We have an instruction manual uh, in faith. And so what what does a life of faith look like? And I want to know because that's the life I want to live. I want to please God. I spent so much of my life uh, trying to please men. And, you know, the Bible says that you can never please men. That, that is what's so crazy, is that we spend the better part of our life just desperately trying to please man, but the Bible says, and I'm quoting now from the Proverbs, the eyes of man are never satisfied. They're never pleased. You can't please the world. You can't please man. You can't please woman. The natural man cannot be pleased. (laughs) No amount of money, no amount of sex, no amount of pleasure, no amount of power, fame, position will please the natural man. But amazingly, the Bible says that God can be pleased. We can please Him. And we can please Him with the simplest of things, faith. You may be sitting here this morning and you're run down by life. Life has run you down. You're all washed up. You try to please your husband, you can't. Your boyfriend, you can't. Your boss, you can't. Your father, you can't. Your brothers, sisters, neighbors, co-workers, your friends, even yourself. You cannot please them. You feel all run down. Well, I have good news for you this morning. 
You may not be able to please men, but you can please God. That's just an amazing thing, but it's true. The Bible says it. You please him by a very simple life of faith. And this morning we're going to talk about Abraham. Abraham is considered the father of faith. He's called three times in the Bible the friend of God. He's the only individual uh, who is called uh, specifically identified as the friend of God. Jesus calls his disciples friends. None of none, but the only person specifically identified. Uh, as the friend of God that, that I know of, you can correct me after the service if, if I'm wrong, is Abraham. Why is he singled out as a friend of God three times in the Bible? Because he lived a simple life of faith. Well, who is this man? Who is Abraham? Well, you could say he's the father of Israel. His name means father, high father, H-I-G-H, father, high father. The father of many nations, his name means. Well, he was born into a world in which there was no Israel, though he was the father of Israel. In fact, it was a world that, for the most part, there was no people who even knew God at the time, with possibly a few exceptions. He lived at a time when the knowledge of God was almost completely cut off. Noah, we read about Noah a couple weeks ago. It says of uh, uh, the world at the time of Noah that every inclination of the thoughts of, his, of their hearts were only evil all the time. That's bad. And God decided to judge the world. He chose judgment. He chose to deal with that situation in which everyone was just living according to the thoughts of their hearts. And the Bible says every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil all the time. God chose to judge the world. He wiped out humanity except for Noah and his family. Within a few generations, though, the world was right back to where it had been. And that is the effect of sin on the human heart. But for God's grace, it only takes a few generations for a nation or even a world uh, to, to, to not only be living in opposition to God, but to forget Him, altogether forget Him. So at the time of Noah, man had completely forsaken God. And within a few generations of Noah, uh, time of Abraham, the same thing ha happened again. But listen, rather than choosing to judge the world... To wipe it out, as he did at the time of Noah, which he's perfectly entitled to do. He's God, and he's holy. But rather than choosing to judge the world, that, as he did in the time of Noah, the time of Abraham, God chose to initiate a plan of redemption. Now, this plan of redemption, it started with the calling out of this man, Abraham, which was really the birth of the nation of Israel. And it ended with the coming, the calling out of none other than God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So it all began with Abraham. The calling of Abraham was the beginning of, of God's plan of redemption. So um, we read about this in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. And so... Remember, Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11 is a two-for-one 
special, Hebrews and Genesis, so please turn back with me again to Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, says this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah was Abraham's father. Terah begot Abram before he was Abraham. He was Abram. Abram means a high father, but um, Abraham means the father of many nations. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out uh, with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, which is the land that we now know of today as Israel, Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a prophetical verse about the coming of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, all the families of earth of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham was the beginning of the plan of redemption. So keep your f- uh, uh, finger there, right, in, uh, he- uh, right there in Genesis and turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 again says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And so without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want to know what faith looks like because I want to please God. So what does it faith look like? What do we see in faith? We see obedience. Throughout this chapter, chapter 11, you will see many wonderful examples of faith. And every single one of them has this in common. Obedience. Every time you see faith, you see obedience. Every single time. Abraham was called out and he obeyed. Where was he called to go out from? Well, we read that in Genesis chapter 11. He was called out to go to the land of Ur. I mean, why waste lots of letters naming a city when you can just name it Ur, U-R. Now, and Ur was a great city located in what we know of today as Iraq. The city of uh, Ur was a, a great civilization at the time. There was commerce there. There was wealth there. There was just all that buzz that is in every great city. We know from the Bible, from the book of Joshua, that it was a city filled with the worship of false gods. In other words, uh, money, sex, pleasure was worshipped. And Abraham was called out of it. 
Verse 8 says, he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, some of you are sitting here this morning. You're sitting right here in a church service. And God is calling you out of the place that you're living in. He's calling you out of the life that you're in. He's calling you away from the life that you are now leading. And it's not an audible voice. It's that still, small, unmistakable voice. He's calling you out. But you are having nothing to do with it. I like it here in Ur. I like it here. I like the pleasure. I like my life here. I like the wealth. I like the, the, the sex. I like the, the partying. I like the nightclubs, whatever. I like the freedom of this life in Ur. God's calling you out. You're having nothing to do with it. The Bible calls that disobedience. God is calling you out. He's calling you into a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's calling you to walk with Him. He's calling you to be a friend. He's calling you out of judgment. you're having nothing to do with it. Why? For some of you, it may just be the desire to be your own God. You don't want to submit to any God other than yourself. For others of you, it's fear. You're fearful of where this life God is calling you to might take you. Where's God going to take me with this life? I don't know. What's he going to do with me? What, what does he want me to do? I don't know that either. What will become of me in this life? I don't know. What about my family and friends? I don't know. It says there in verse 8, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. That's what faith is like. If you're taking notes... Write this down. Faith starts with being called out of the place you are in to a, a place which you do not know much about other than it is God who is calling you there. And God deserves obedience. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He deserves your obedience. And he's utterly, totally trustworthy. He's utterly, totally good. And he loves you. Verse 9 says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. There is so much to learn about faith 
from this verse. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want to know how to please God. Show me, Lord, from this verse. There's a lot in here about faith. It says that Abraham dwelt in the, ten- the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. Meaning, though Abraham had been promised so much, it's important to understand that Abraham is promised so much as he walks along with God. Genesis 17, God said to Abraham, I will multiply you exceedingly. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you. Though Abraham had been promised so much, he lived as in a foreign land and in tents, meaning although he knew all all of that land would one day be his, so to speak, his people's, he didn't live in it as if it was his own. So if you have answered the call of God in your life, if you're sitting here this morning and, and God has told you to go out, to go out of this life that, go out of the life that you were in and go into a life with him through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, if you have done that, the Bible says you're living in a foreign land. The Bible says you are in the world, but you are not of the world. Philippians 3.20 says your, your citizenship is in heaven. You're no longer a citizen of this world. 1 Peter chapter 3 says you're a pilgrim, a sojourner, meaning you are a resident with no claim to the world or anything that is in it. Jesus in Luke 14:33 says this, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now that doesn't mean that after you come to Christ you get rid of your house, your cars, your furniture and your photo albums. Oh, oh my goodness, I I'm a Christian, I have to put everything on eBay. No, that's not how, it's, uh, how it is. Uh, listen, we read in the Gospels that, that the apostle Peter had a house. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea uh, were disciples of Jesus. They were both men of great possessions. That the point is that Jesus is making is that once you come to Jesus, everything in your possession is no longer owned by you. It, it is the Lord's. So my house, uh, my two cars, my furniture, my bank account is not mine after I come to Christ. It's the Lord's. And this, by the way, is a conversation I have on a regular basis with my, my children. This house is, is not my house. So any TV that is uh, happening in this house... It's got to be something that the Lord's okay with. So it's not really my decision what's on TV. It's his. Any music, any posters on the wall, any magazines, any books. I have to answer to God for all of it. It's his house. It's God's house. And by the way, if he, he wants to take my house or my bank account or whatever, I need to obey. And he's done that before. He said, Steve... All that money in that bank account, take it out, and I want you to do this with it. 
Okay, Lord, I just hope Stephanie agrees with that, you know. Uh, so, but anyway, so what does that have to do with Hebrews chapter 11? Well, it, it, it takes faith to dwell as in a foreign land. Again, it says, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, verse 9, dwelling in tents. It takes faith to dwell in tents. Now, now what's the difference between a tent and a house? A tent is a, is a, is a place where, uh, with ropes and stakes, and you, know, you can pull up those stakes and you can move on really quick. A house is, a, is, is set into a place of, with a foundation, and the foundation's made of concrete and steel rebar. It takes faith to live in tents, meaning to live with just stakes and, 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 and ropes rather than laying down your life with concrete and steel rebar. It, it, it takes faith not to lay the foundation of your life and your career. That takes faith. There's a thousand voices in the world telling you, lay your foundation into your career. It takes faith not to lay the foundation of your life into pleasure, into adventure. It takes faith not to lay the foundation of your life into education or into your neighborhood or into some political movement or into a cause. There's just so many other voices calling you to, to, to establish a foundation there, to lay down that steel rebar and that concrete. But if you've been called out, if God said, go out, and you left, and you, uh, you left the life you were in into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, listen, you're a tent dweller, and dwelling in tents takes faith every time you feel like your heart is taking root into anything other than God, you got to pull up the stakes, and that takes faith. Well, what if I do that? What if I pull up the, the stakes from this career or whatever? Well, what's going to happen then? I don't know. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Other than God is faithful. And he's trustworthy. Abraham was able to live as a foreigner, dwelling in tents in the land, because by faith he believed in the promises of God that there was something better to come. And that's what it actually, that's what it says right there in verse 9. It says, he, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same, what? Promise. We have faith in the promises of God. He had faith in the promises of God. That's how he was able to live as a tent dweller, as a, a, a man living in, in, in a foreign land, as someone whose citizenship was not there in Canaan, though it had been promised to him. So what is the promise of God that we put our faith in as born-again Christians. 
There are many promises in the Bible. Go to the Christian bookstore, get one of these Bible promises books. But there is a promise that is particularly appropriate, real similar kind of in nature to to what the Lord told Abraham. At one point in, in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, the Apostle Peter says to Jesus, look, Jesus, we've left everything for you. What are we going to get for this? And you would think, you know, what a selfish question. I mean, I'm sure the Lord rebuked him. No, not at all. Jesus responded like this, surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That's a promise that we can go to the bank on. Jesus Christ gave it to us. God promises that if we go out and dwell with him and live not with foundations made out of concrete and steel rebar but in tents he will bless us in a way immeasurably more than the world could ever bless us and I, I, I have a thousand testimonies I could just line up people here for a mile to give you testimonies of, of, the, of the truthfulness of that. Are you willing to respond to the call of God in your life? Now, some of you may be thinking, this all seems crazy. I am no Abraham. I am Bob, and I'm a pipsqueak. Well, Abraham was a pipsqueak too. Remember at the time when God called him out, he was an idolater. He worshipped pleasure, uh, money, and the world. He didn't know a thing about God. He was clueless. People think of Abraham, and they think the guy rolled out of his mother's womb, uh, like knowing Bible verses. Uh, he didn't know any Bible verses. He didn't know God. We know from the Bible he was completely, the knowledge of God was cut off. He lived as a, what we would call like a pagan, a heathen. And then he was called out and he went out and he didn't start particularly well. He took his father along. His father made him st stop halfway between where he was called out from and where he was supposed to, to go. And he made him stop and Abraham just waited there until his father died. He also took Lot uh, uh, with him. And, and, you know, not a good guy to take on a journey. When Lot got into the land of Canaan, it says he fixed his tent towards where? Sodom. Next thing you know, he had a foundation with concrete living inside of Sodom. Sodom, a byword for evil. And until Abraham was separated from Lot, the Lord was not able to use Abraham. We always want to do that, don't we? When God calls us out, we just want to take a little bit of the flesh with us. Didn't start off so well. But it gets worse 
believe me, it gets worse. Turn with me back. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 12. And just pick, off, pick up where we left off in Genesis chapter 12. Verse 6, it says, Abraham passed through the land of, uh, to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So the Lord met him there. And he moved out from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel and west and uh, and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So he's beginning to get to know the Lord. The Lord is, uh, this relationship has, has started. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will, will it happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please, say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came to Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The prince of, uh, princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. The man gave away his wife, the father of faith, gave away his wife. He just came into Egypt like, okay, honey, you're going to be like available as soon as we get there, okay? Turn now to chapter 20, just a few chapters later. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt there in Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. He did it again. He did it again. This is the, the, the father of faith. You see him flopping big time. I mean, you know, each time, by the way, they went back uh, uh, to the place where they started. Must have been a long ride back. He wound up getting her back, by the way, and God protected her. But obviously wasn't living by uh, faith at all. God's calling you out of the world. You need to obey him. He knows you're a pipsqueak. He knows you are. He knows I am. But you need to obey him anyway. He knows you're going to fail. He knew Abraham was going to fail. Abraham's failing did not take the Lord by surprise. You do not see the Lord saying, oh man, did I blow it when I chose this guy? I, oh, that I, I remember that guy with a long beard in Ur. I should have chosen him. He wouldn't have done this. 
No, that's not what happened. Look what happened after Abraham failed so miserably. Go to, back to chapter 13 of Genesis. Back to uh, chapter 13 of Genesis. Uh, it says, Then Abram, uh, verse 1, went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, verse 4, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. In other words, grace, God brings him right back. Okay, Abraham, we're going to start over again. He does the same thing after Genesis chapter 20, after Abraham flops again, does the exact same thing. Listen, brothers and sisters, God doesn't expect when you become a Christian, uh, God doesn't expect that when you come out of the spiritual womb that you're going to be flexing your spiritual muscles, your faith muscles, like someone who's been walking with the Lord for 25 years. He doesn't expect that of you. He knows you're going to stumble. It doesn't take him by surprise He's not all bummed out at his choice of you. Here's the deal. When you do stumble, if you're listening to him, you will hear him repeat the very same promises that he did when he first called you out. Look at chapter 13 of Genesis, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give you and your descendants forever. And so when you stumble, when you flop big time, God will just restore you as he does with every single child of his, and he will restore you to the exact same place, the place you were at the first, and he'll repeat the same promises. I love you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now take up your cross again and follow me. So back to Hebrews chapter 11. Back to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 11 says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Okay, one more time, back to Genesis. Chapter 17 this time. Let's take a look at what happened here. Genesis chapter 17. It says in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 17, Then God said to Abraham, As as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah 
shall be her name. Sarah means princess. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? When Sarah heard, she laughed too. Who wouldn't? Ninety years old. Body as good as dead. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So in Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12, it says, they may have laughed, but with a mustard seed of faith, they took faith in the promise, and they conceived and bore a child. And so here's the reason this is all in Hebrews chapter 11. God called you out to live a simple life of faith. And sooner or later, he will ask you to do something which will make you and probably a lot of people around you laugh. For some of you, it may be something that is as simple as making Jesus the Lord and the master of your life, the master of your decisions. It may be as simple as, 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 as you being called out to really walk with the Lord. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Don't make me laugh, Steve. I'm not going to walk with the Lord. You know, there was a time in my life where I would have laughed and a lot of other people would have laughed at the thought of me being a pastor. In fact, there was at least one time in my life where I would say I would have been voted the least likely to be a pastor. I remember in college, and this is true, I was voted or selected rather the most likely to become a terrorist someday. It's a true story. During a vacation with my, uh, down in South America with my parents, I went to college in North Carolina, but I went home and I purchased a huge firecracker. It was the equivalent of a half a stick of dynamite. I brought it back to college and got arrested and charged after a fraternity brother and I blew up a phone booth at a neighboring fraternity. I remember waking up one morning, turning on the radio, and listening to a news report of myself being arrested. True. Sitting in the cafeteria, people next to me, I'm overhearing them, talking about this phone booth being blown up. I was the only guy I knew in college who was still getting into fights, physical fights, throughout college. When I was a, um, my senior year, I got into a fight. <clears throat> a guy punched me in the face and split my chin open. If you don't believe me, just look at this big old scar on my chin after the service. And uh, anyway, the real strange thing, I was thinking about this this morning, really weird, is that the security guards who had arrested me in my sophomore year just happened to be there and were pulling me off this guy. They had to be thinking, 
what does this guy do when we're not around? I mean, you know, and, and, but this is, this is what my life was like. Just anger and pride. The point is, Steve Cole becoming a pastor? Boy, would you have gotten a big room full of laughter then. But brothers and sisters, that is what God does. That's what he does. Why? Because he wants to show the world that he is God. When he makes a 99-year-old woman give birth to a child, or a 91-year-old woman give birth to a child, the world knows God does it. When he takes a person like you and me and makes you a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ, he, the, when he makes you Christ-like, when he turns you and me from being self-centered, self-focused, self-obsessed man or woman to a God-centered, others-focused, uh, Christ-obsessed child of God, when he takes a, a, a man like you or me and, and, and transforms them into a man or woman, uh, rather than producing the fruit of the world, he produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, jealous, and self-control. The world takes notice. Their God is real. Their God is real. Who is this God? Now, some of you may be saying, Steve, I responded to God's call five years ago. God told me to go out. I did. I gave myself to Christ. It seems like he's taken a long time for that fruit to come. Well, Abraham waited 20, 25 years from the time he was promised a son to that son that was promised came. God will complete what he started in you. He'll complete it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to close with this. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, I promise we won't go back to Genesis. Verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And so, in Genesis chapter 22, we won't go there. God says, take your son, your only son. That's what he said, your only son. Ishmael was a child of the flesh. Isaac was a child of the promise. And go sacrifice him on the mountain right before Abraham was about to sacrifice him. The angel of God prevented him from doing so. God provided a sacrifice uh, in uh, his place. which ultimately 
God provided the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Many believe in that exact same mountain. But, but Abraham was willing to give the one thing that he prized more than anything else in his life, his son. So God took him from being, and, and, and by the way, when, when Abraham did that, God repeated yet again the very same promise. All along, God had told him, I am, I, I am your exceedingly great reward, and he, he just repeated that again after Abraham, he saw Abraham was willing to do that, repeated the very same promises. Uh, but So the, the point is, in conclusion here, is that God took him from a, a place where you know, he had left the land of Ur, he had by faith done it. He didn't begin that well. He took along his dad. He took Lot along. He gave up his wife a couple times. He, he, he did a, a number of other things, which really, he, flopping big time, but God brought him to the place where he was willing. He had just gotten to the place where, okay, God, I'm going to give you everything. Why? Because you have proved yourself faithful. You have proved yourself good. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that if I obey this thing and if I give up this thing that I just, uh, I, I just is more precious than anything else in the world, is it, I know that somehow you'll return it to me, the Bible says. That's where God is bringing you. He's, he's con you're under construction. He's forming you. He's fashioning you. He's bringing you along to that place where even the thing that you cherish more than anything else in your heart, you're giving it back to the Lord. Why? So he can multiply it a zillion times. Jesus said a hundredfold in this life and then in eternal life in the ages to come, so much more even than that. That's the heart of God for you.